Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Man, oh man, oh man, what a podcast this week. Play with pain, pinnacle. The great Woody Page joined me here. Man, that guy's been writing forever. Uh, Denver Post columnist forever. He's working for Colorado Springs Gazette now. Got his own podcast, Woody Page Podcast, coming up right here on Podcast One. Check that out. Man, he revealed things. I didn't know this. He goes all the way back to Elvis Presley. Hung out with him as a kid in Tupelo, Mississippi. Unbelievable. And then his greatest athletic moment of all time uh, had three women that he broke up with on uh, that. They broke up with him, had them all on the same date at the same time. Boy, talk about lateral movement and cone to cone speed. That takes it all to handle that. Uh, I don't know how I'd bet that, if I could bet it. But I bet if you could bet it, uh, you'd bet it at betonline.ag. You know, I bet they have a line on uh, Woody Page's dating history. That's how good betonline.ag is. And I'm telling you, and if you sign up now, uh, use the promo code PODCAST1, you get a 50% welcome bonus bango just like that. We got the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. You got football starting now. You got Green, Green Bay versus the Raiders, Baltimore and Philly, Houston, Dallas. I'm telling you, you got golf. You got you got soccer. You got it's. Uh, believe me, go to betonline.ag. Do yourself a favor, just sign up. Okay, you're going to get a 50 percent sign up bonus, and you're going to have a ton of stuff to bet. And you can bet in game. You can even text bet now to two three eight six six nine and get the same 50 percent welcome bonus so go now betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts time to play with pain where sports and inaccuracy collide now here's your host veteran sportscaster and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, an icon in the sports writing world and the Whitey Herzog of ESPN's Around the Horn, Woody Page. We're going to be talking to Woody in just a sec. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. True Car, for all your car buying needs, and BetOnline.ag, Podcast One's trusted partner in all things gaming. And, uh, oh, hey, listen. If you like my podcast, uh, you're going to love, uh, for all you true crime fans out there, the Court Junkie Podcast. It's now on Podcast One. Imagine being wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit, or a killer is still on the loose, even though there's enough evidence for an arrest. Both of those things have happened to me. The Court Junkie Podcast shines a light on the injustices of the judicial system with deep dives into court documents and interviews those closest to the case. Download new episodes of Court Junkie Podcast on Apple Podcasts and right here on Podcast One. And as always, before we get to my guest, the great Woody Page, time for the Waterhouse Update, brought to you by Pill Bottled Cotton. Make your own clothes with pilled bottled cotton. It's free cotton. America's pastime. Now, not trying to kill a spider on your wall by firing rubber bands at it. Baseball! Pennant tension thicker than mildew on an Alabama shower curtain. The twins! Like a Mormon trying coffee for the very first time, they just keep coming at you. 
Dodgers Max Muncy twists an ankle rust to the set of last surgeon standing. Yankees working harder than Oprah's alteration seamstress. Detroit getting pummeled like the Pope at a mosque. Washington Nationals announced Wednesday is subpoena night at the ballpark. First 5,000 through the turnstiles will be called in front of the Senate subcommittee on gerrymandering. And finally, Boston. So banged up, their highlight reel includes MRI footage. That baseball wrap-up brought to you by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. NFL, Oakland's Antonio Brown now refusing to play unless he can wear Fred Beletnikoff's pants. Giants rookie quarterback Danny Jones fighting harder than passengers on a United Red Eye. Eagles sign retired quarterback Josh McCown, who kept in shape by chasing bird scooters. Pats place receiver Josh Gordon on the non-football injury list. Gordon sprained his wrist sculpting a bust of Enrico Fermi. Vegas says the Bears will win the NFC, and Detroit season is over quicker than a 50-year-old trying to hoverboard. That NFL wrap-up sponsored by Milk Flakes, the cereal that's wet even when it's dry. Golf! PGA trying to speed up the pace of play will let Howie Mandel run free on the course with a stopwatch and an air horn. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1951, the place, Cleveland, Ohio, Indians GM Bill Vec sends in three-foot-seven-inch Eddie Guidel to pinch hit. Guidel drew a walk, but not before driving a ball 471 feet down the left field line, just foul. Guidel tried to steal second, came up short. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Scornhub.com. Videos of hot moms who disapprove of your actions. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, a sports writing legend at the Denver Post, now with the Colorado Springs Gazette. He's got the Woody Page podcast premiering this week right here on Podcast One. And he's the only member of ESPN's Round the Horn who's not using Invisalign. Woody Page, Woody, how are you? Oh, the chat with chat. I can't wait for it. I'm coming to you from the Mile High City, which is a couple of uh, meanings these days. Yeah, no kidding with that. Yeah, you got a, you got a very crazy state there. They're kind of yo-yoing back and forth. Uh, they got the, the gun thing, and then they got the pot thing. And maybe those two kind of, uh, they might just uh, uh, balance each other out. I'm not sure. Yeah, we just added mushrooms. You can now do mushrooms in Colorado. Wow, and I'm not talking about the ones you put on a salad. <laughs> no, you're yeah, not, not steak and mushrooms. You're, you're talking, you're talking major. Uh, hey, thank you. Uh, people should know you and I. I hooked up with you uh, uh, several weeks ago. Uh, love your podcast, and uh, actually, uh, only time I've ever asked to go on some kind of podcast or radio show. Well, that's and quite an honor. It, and I'm glad we were able to do it. Huge honor. I'm not happy with your discussion of cotton because when I was a little kid in the South, I actually picked cotton, and I'll tell you what, that was no fun. So I would I never wear cotton shirts or pants or anything. Yeah, that's tough on the knuckles. That's like a that's like a gravel infield back in the old days. You grew up in Tennessee, right? <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, yeah, uh, my uh, my family grew up in Mississippi, uh, Tupelo, which is only known because uh, that was the hometown of Elvis Presley. And I uh, grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and spent uh, much of my 
early adult life there and then moved to Colorado when I was about 30. So I've been in Colorado for the last 40 years or so. Greatest athletic moment. I don't care if it was yesterday, if it was back in uh, high school in Memphis or even grade school in Memphis or, for instance, in my case, uh, 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 kindergarten was probably my greatest athletic moment. Uh, I had dated three girls that uh, uh, that all uh, broke up with me, and so I invited them all out for a date one night, and they didn't know that the other two were coming, and so I had a date with all three of them. That was my greatest athletic night. Yeah, that takes stamina personified. Plus, you got to have range, Woody. You got to be able to go to your left, your right, low, high. You got to hit with power, hit for speed. You got you got to do it all with three yeah. three gals there. Yeah, I, I was a three tool guy that night. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm going to say this uh, in Memphis. At least you probably had some good food going for you wherever you took them. Uh, yes, Memphis has the greatest barbecue in the country. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Denver has uh, Denver has green chili. That's what we're noted for out here. But that's uh, that's not – it's something you can put on everything, including marijuana cookies, I think. Yeah, but. and, and <laughs> you know, it, it involves all three of those things we were talking about because uh, green chili tastes better on marijuana, looks better on uh, mushrooms, and you'll probably uh, wind up getting in a fight for the bathroom, so you're going to need a gun. That's my guess. Yep. So anyway, that's what I got for you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> No, 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 you're not getting off that easy. Uh, now, listen, uh, you, you've been covering sports uh, a long time, a lot of Denver sports. Oh, yeah. let, let me ask you some general questions, then we'll get into some specifics. Uh, uh, do you get tired of asking uh, essentially the same post-game questions? That's why in some ways I, I got I to gotta like Bill Belichick because he just kind of uh, stares right through a guy when he asks the same old crap. I'll I'll tell you one quick story. No, I don't get tired because I ask different questions. But uh, at at a bowl game once, uh, I asked uh, a coach of Alabama, who you're probably familiar with, after he had – it was before – it wasn't a national championship game. And three or four people had asked him about whether he was going to play younger quarterbacks or because he said, I don't answer hypothetical questions. And so I said, "Uh, Coach Nick. Hypothetically speaking, do you think that uh, this game is going to go, whatever it was? And he he laughed. And anybody that's ever followed uh, Nick Saban at Alabama knows he never laughed. No. Sign of weakness. And I got him to laugh by saying, hypothetically speaking. And I thought, you know, that's that's actually about what I'm about over the years, that I have just asked questions that are totally different. Uh, I talked to Vic Fangio, the new Broncos coach, uh, who has come up with an expression called death by inches. And what he means by that, guys not showing up on time for meetings, uh, uh, offensive uh, pass interference. And so I went to him and I said, I want to talk to you about this death by inches uh, concept. And he said, sure, yeah. I said, where'd you get it? And he said, an old coach mentioned it to me once. And I said, do you know that William Shakespeare in a play actually wrote about death by inches. And he said, well, that'll be the only time my name and William Shakespeare are in the same question. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> that was a great answer. So I yeah. always try to look like you. I look at the different way to approach uh, players, and I think uh, 
if you have a conversation with it, they, uh, with them about it, they usually enjoy it uh, rather than get the same old questions. I think the worst thing in sports that's happened over the last 10, 15 years is that everybody who asks questions, and you're not, you're a veteran. You've been around forever. You know this. You would never ask a question to me like this. But every young sports media person says, so, Coach, talk about the first quarter. That yeah. bothers the hell out of me. If you can't come up with a question, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, but exactly. I hear it over and over again of, you know, talk about the game. Well, why don't you ask a question? I mean, it's a, it's a lazy way of approaching it. Yeah, really lazy. I mean, at least have some stats for Pete's sake, even if you don't have a stat, yeah. man. Keep some of your own and then go in there and go, hey, I noticed the 34 toss power trap didn't work seven times in a row, Hank Stram. So listen to me. How'd the blackboard develop? Is that an outgrowth of the humor? Because you're a funny guy, and then you ask funny questions, but you still get legitimate, uh, good football answers. How did that blackboard? Because that's like a big deal for you now. You could probably sell well, blackboards. Well, uh, ESPN had a very popular show that was the, in its first year and actually changed the entire landscape of sports talk shows on television. Because, you know, now Fox, ESPN, every show has three or four people on it or two. Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbon started that. And they came to me and said, we want to do a a lead-in show because their lead-in shows uh, for years had not been very successful. And they said, I said, what kind of show are you talking about? Well, we're going to double the pardon interruption. We're going to do four people. (laughs) And I said, well, what what is my role? And they said, you're going to be like Hollywood Squares. You're going to be the guy to block in the center square. Sure, (laughs) you're Paul Lynn. It was explained to me. And so I was doing the show for about a year, year and a half with Max Kellerman as the host. And we got approached, uh, and my agent got approached by Fox to come over and do a show called Max and Woody, which would compete against uh, uh, Pardon Interruption. I never told this story on the air. And he took the contract, and I decided to stay at ESPN. And they moved me. They asked me to come to New York and do a bunch of shows. They really didn't explain it to me, but I ended up doing cold pizza with Skip Bayless. I did First in Ten. I did uh, uh, an American Idol kind of show that was called uh, Dream Job, where we picked uh, out of 50,000 people who applied at the ESPN, the old ESPN zones. Sure. Uh, you, you... I was a judge on a show. Uh, we got it down to like 16 people, and the winner got to be an anchor person on ESPN for a year and got a Mustang convertible. And, and uh, they didn't tell me I was doing all these shows, and I also did – Disney Kids Network, and every day I'd talk 15 minutes <laughs> about sports to eight-year-olds, which was about my demographic. Uh, perfect. Anyway, Yeah, you're sort of the yeah. buddy Bianca Lana of uh, ESPN. You're the utility man extraordinaire. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I was uh, doing all these shows, and I told my uh, assistant, I said, uh, our background sucks. We need to come up with something. And he said, well, what are you thinking about? I said, how about a blackboard? We just put a blackboard up, put some sayings on it or something. And he said, okay. And he went and got us a blackboard at uh, Toys R Us or something like that. That's how it started. And then uh, in order to write the blackboard quotes, people don't care about me. And as Tony Reale said, the host of Around the Horn, the only thing people care about are two inanimate objects. And that's uh, the mute button and uh, the, the blackboard. That's impressive. And so every, yeah, and so I've got really right in front of me, uh, I got kind of intoxic, overserved, I would say. 
and I write down six or seven of them. And the next day I look at them and I go, they all suck. <laughs> talked about. But that's how it started and that how it, that's how it's continued today. I wrote a book uh, two or three years ago uh, of blackboard quotes and some stories, and uh, it did extremely well. So coming out at Christmas with a second version of it, and I've done probably in 15, 16 years uh, – Eight thousand or so. Wow! Quote, and I would I would guess six of them have actually been any good. (laughs) (laughs) That's productivity, and hey, that history lesson brought to you by Ouch, the game of slivers, and Lester Holt, the guy you fast forward through when you're watching Dateline. All right, let's go through some of your compatriots. See if you can sum them up in five words or less. Tony Reale. The host of Around the Horn, the kid who was like a stat guy, and then he just uh, shoehorned his way in there and he kicked that Kellerman guy to the curb and has been doing it like 15 years now. Tony Reale, five words or less. Smart, sharp, next Jeopardy host. Ooh, nice. Bill Plaschke. Best columnist in the country. J.A. Adande. Uh, a lot funnier than people think. I like it. Uh, he needs to straighten out those initials, though. He's got to go A.J. J.A. is impossible. to Sarah Spain! <laughs> uh, sharpest young talent on ESPN. Well done. And you know you went right to the wall on all of those, right to the warning track. You used all five words. Yeah, you weren't me, messing let around. Let me add something nobody knows about Sarah Spade. What she really wanted to do in life and what she wants to do in life. Night Live. Oh, wow. Good for her. That was her That was her dream was to be one of the comedians on Saturday Night Live and do all the sketches. sketches and she's hoping that someday they'll call her in to host or – at least be in the background, and that's uh, an unknown story about her. That'd be awesome. So, Let's play a little what if, Woody. What if you were commissioner of the NFL? Because I know you, 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 you cover a lot of NFL. Which league? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> NFL. What's the first thing you'd do if you were commissioner or, or rule change or anything you think of? Uh, guaranteed contracts. That's what they're going to fight over in the next uh, – negotiation between the players association i think it's totally unfair that every other league gets contracts that are guaranteed past the first year but in the nfl those players are still playing year to year i remember asking peyton manning when he came here after he had the neck surgeries and joined the broncos and i said well you got a four-year deal he said no i got four one-year deals so if i were commissioner i would guarantee the money i know that it seems like to everybody that people are Players are making so much in the 1880s, Chet. I read a story. Uh, no, I wasn't alive in the 1880s. No, I read a story from the 1880s. I, I think I wrote it. Football. Jim Thorpe was the first guy I ever covered. But in the 1880s, a Boston uh, newspaper wrote that uh, fans were upset that the baseball players were making $40 a week. <laughs> so wow. It's always been yeah. that Fans think that players make too much money. I just, I would, uh, that's going to be the Players Association stance. They're against 18 games. They're against, uh, they want uh, more guaranteed money beyond one year. And I would grant them that if I were commissioner. Man, the math is making my head spin. Listen to me. What if you hadn't gone into sports writing? You're out of Tennessee. Where'd you go, UT? 
Yep, University of Tennessee. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up and actually was friends with Elvis for much of his life because his family and mine were from Tupelo, Mississippi, and I got to hang out with him a a lot. If I hadn't, would you have gone into music? Yeah. What would you play? If I were, I I would be a rock star. I had a band uh, that had one uh, big local hit. Actually, uh, it's on a garage band uh, CD of garage bands around the country but i had a band in high school and early in college and uh, i wanted to pursue that and my dad said uh, if you're going to pursue that you're going to get a job in a warehouse for the rest of the time <laughs> but, uh, i, I would have been Ouch. a rock star I, I, there's nothing else i mean i've wanted to do what i'm doing in a way since i was seven years old so i always had one goal in mind and when i was in the ninth grade i'll just tell you this when i was a freshman in high school my next door neighbor and I built a camera out of a out of, out of wood, and we did a radio show over an intercom system. We did a newspaper for the people in the neighborhood, and we, we did a TV show uh, with a with a fake camera. Oh, that would fit in with what's going on in politics today. And I would I would have an audience of one. He would uh, be the cameraman behind the scenes watching me do weather, sports, and news. Then he would do it. He ended up as the uh, as the head of the communications department at the University of Missouri, which is considered the most prestigious probably in the country. Yeah, best and J school in the country. Up, and I, I, I ended up whatever I am. And we met for dinner several years ago. He's written a bunch of textbooks, and he's been a major success. And we both wanted to be either in radio, TV, or newspapers. And we met, and I said, you've written five textbooks. You're the head of the most prestigious journalism department anywhere in the world. And he said, yeah, but you got a chalkboard. <laughs> exactly. you got a chalkboard and book. You were the Ryan Seacrest of your time, Woody. You were doing it all. Uh, <laughs> I need a skinny black tie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, no, no, I, I'm enjoying, like you. You've been around forever. Yes, you I have. you it all. I have done it all. I grew up listening to Harry Carey. Sure. I grew up listening to you. So I have I have followed both of your careers. That's impressive. Best I can. (laughs) And uh, I want you to look up sometime and see what the beer was. You do all these commercials for these different sponsors. Sure. Have your producer while we're talking look up the name of the beer that Harry Carey first did had as a sponsor when he was doing the Cardinals. And you can't even say the name on the air. Wow. Holy smokes. Man, oh, man, I wonder what that was. It can't be Bush. It's, Can Is it Bush? He did Bush. He did all those uh, Budweiser it was beers. Before he, was, he was before he was involved with Budweiser and got wow. involved with one of the Budweiser family, the Bush family. But I would tell you that it's, uh, it's spelled sort of like G-R-I-S-E-D-Y-C-K. Wow. It's a real beer. Oh, my goodness. I think they're one of my sponsors, Woody. Grazed Dick Bear. Sure. You should get them because they're back. They have come back. They're now selling in Milwaukee and sure. St. Louis and some other places. They were out of business forever. Yeah, I think their but slogan I, is I, uh, I just... it's uh, Grease Dick Malt Liquor. It's not beer, so don't call it beer. Something like that. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's like that, but uh, the E is pronounced like a Y. Wow. Oh! Oh, brother, the FCC's coming after me. Uh, now, listen, before I get into a couple of things here, uh, 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 Elvis, you were hanging out with Elvis. I can't let that go. 
uh, as kids, or did uh, how'd you run into? Because uh, I know you guys both grew up in Tupelo, and uh, you, ever, you stayed in contact a little bit. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, uh, I'm actually uh, I know where he, what home he's living in, but seriously, uh, <laughs> when I was uh, four or five years old, Elvis was a teenager. We both lived in government housing project uh, in Memphis near downtown. Wow. You could only live there if your family made less than $30 a month. And my dad made a dollar a day. Uh, so we lived there. Elvis would stand on his front porch and sing with his guitar. And I was one of three or four people that would sit there and listen to him every day. Wow. And I went home and told my mom about, I said, there's this guy named Elvis uh, down there. And she said, yeah, he's trying to be a country singer or something. And he'll never amount to anything. And my mother told me that in the early 50s. <laughs> And so uh, I, I knew Good him instincts, early, Bob. and then later on, uh, one of my cousins was a member of the, quote, Memphis Mafia, which were the guys that surrounded him, his pocket. Sure, yeah. Early day. And I'd go over to Graceland, and we played, uh, uh, he would, his, his, my cousin, who worked for him, would call and say, get a football team together, and we'd play touch football against him. And wow. the idea was, if you ever caught a ball, don't tackle him. Don't touch him. And he <laughs> caught a ball and he fell into a hole that was on this uh, public uh, playground. And he broke his thumb. And it was an international story. You can look that up, too. Wow. And they were screaming and yelling at us that we caused the broken thumb. He wasn't athletic. He just fell down and, and broke his thumb. And that was a major story. Yeah. And, you and know, later that uh, later that week, they found the hole uh, shot to death and dumped off a highway. Nope, nobody messes <laughs> yeah. around with Elvis. That anecdote. So I to, I, yeah, I used to go over to Graceland uh, and wow. hang out, and uh, get the, he would sit in the jungle room. If you ever heard the song, sure. Memphis, uh, he he'd hang out in the jungle room, and uh, his cook would do his favorite sandwich and bring it to us. That was peanut butter and jelly and banana and bacon on like a grilled cheese. I love it, and it had about. 8,000 calories. So those people who wonder why Elvis was kind of uh, the fat elves period yeah. is because he ate those sandwiches every day of his life. But yeah, I got yeah. to know him. And then, uh, then uh, when I moved to Colorado, he used to come here on vacation and uh, we went to the same restaurant and, and uh, he, yeah, I saw him in 77 when he was doing a concert and uh, in Vegas and he came to Colorado and he died shortly after that. Wow. Let's see Tony Kornheiser top that for backstory. Listen, I got one of the most experienced sports writers in the country with me. Time for Advice Corner. Actual takeaway from the great Woody Page. Woody, I'm going to ask you like five uh, almost uh, legitimate questions here because, you know, there's kids out there. They might be looking for uh, a pathway to take that isn't dangerous and uh, with their lives. And they might want to get into all kinds of things that uh, you're already kind of doing. So uh, let me throw these questions. Questions that you see, uh, see if you can answer, uh, see, see if you can give a give give a halfway decent oh, answer here. Sure. If it's a halfway decent question, best way to kill time in an airport because I know you've done a crap load of travel. Uh, I used to travel two hundred days a year. The way I do it is uh, these days I do it by looking at social media. But in the old days, I would read a book and drink a lot. <laughs> Man, oh, man, oh, man, that sounds like every professor I ever had in college. Read a book and drink forever. Hotel room tip. 
What's your what's your what's your favorite shortcut in a hotel room that helps you? Mine is I don't let the maid in ever. I just don't do it. Uh, I don't trust that, anybody. That is a great question. I, I think in all the interviews I've ever done, nobody's ever asked me that. That's Quick your next. That that's your next Nick Saban I, question. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you two quick things. One, I sleep on the side of the bed where the bathroom is. That's smart. But two, I always look to see where the mirror is. Jim Murray, who was my idol, and you worked with him. Sure. Jim Murray from the Los Angeles Times was the greatest sports columnist of all time, along with Red Smith. Jim Murray went to Hawaii for vacation, went, checked into his hotel room at one thirty in the morning. Had to get up and pee, got up, ran into the mirror that ran the length of the wall, severed his right arm, and had to get on a plane to go back to Los Angeles and have surgery. So I always thought about that. I always found out where the mirror was in a bedroom in a hotel just so that I would avoid it at all costs. I hope the airline at least let him take the arm on his carry-on. Quick tip for making a tight deadline. Because I know these kids nowadays, they wander through their uh, their uh, podcasts and their uh, their blogs and stuff. But, you know, back in the day, boom, midnight, you had to have a story. And uh, when you were you, when you were scrambling, what was your what, what did you do to make a tight deadline? Uh, Baltimore played uh, the Broncos in 2012. Uh, the Ravens went to the Super Bowl and won. And uh, someone came to me because it went into overtime, and they said, you have 15 minutes to deadline. And uh, I can usually do it if it's like 45 minutes. And I wrote at the end of, that at the end of the regulation, after there was a famous interception that set up uh, – Baltimore to actually send it into overtime and win. And uh, John Fox was the coach of the Broncos, and I wrote, when the Broncos got the ball back with 31 seconds to go, they just sat on it, took it into overtime, lost in overtime. Uh, I wrote that John Fox made the biggest mistake of his entire coaching career, which he did, because the next day Atlanta and San Francisco played, and Atlanta scored in the last 15 seconds, moved the ball down the field, and I wrote – there you go. And uh, a woman wrote me and she said, that column sucked. It looked like you wrote it in 30 minutes. And I wrote back and I said, lady, you're right. The column sucked, but I wrote it in 15 minutes. <laughs> at, least I, at least I clocked in at 15. Best way to handle <laughs> altitude. Everybody knows it affects the jocks, but it affects the guys in the press box, too. How do you handle the altitude up there? Uh, tequila. Beautiful. I love it. Vodka and tequila. I think we're hammered at just talking to you. I'm getting a contact high talking to Woody. And finally, telltale sign you could be turning into a homer now. You've done a lot of work in Denver, and yet you have remained, I would say, objective. When you look around and you see guys in different cities and then they're, they're kind of leaning, what's a telltale sign that they're kind of turning into just a kind of a corporate guy for the home team? Well, I've always asked when people say, you know, who you're a fan of. And, and I mentioned earlier, I went to Tennessee. I've never been a fan of any team. Uh, I, I'm occasionally friends with a lot of the players, but I've, I've never – I had to stop being a fan once I got in this business because I felt like if you are a fan, you can't write objectively. You can't, you can't sit there after a game and cry because your team lost. And I saw the Broncos lose four consecutive – well, not consecutive, but four – their first four Super Bowls. 
that I felt like that I had to be distant. I, I think that uh, that was probably, I'm telling you the truth here, I think probably that was the worst part of my life where uh, um, my friends would say, you have the greatest job in the world. And I said, you drink beer, you cheer for your team. I sit there, you've been in thousands of press box like me. You sit there, you can't say anything. You you can't you can't even hear like in the stadium here to, uh, uh, for a Monday night game between San Francisco and Denver this week. You can't even hear the crowd because you're behind yeah. glass. Yeah. So I just approached it from the standpoint of I tend to look at defensive backs against wide receivers. I tend to stare at offensive guards and where they go. And so you really are not a fan when you're just kind of looking at other things. But after 10,000 sports events, 14 Olympics, uh, on and on, uh, it's it's more of an approach of what would I want to read about this event? That's, right. that's always my first question. What would I like to read? And so uh, what I'd like to read as a non-fan is basically what I write. That is the heartbreak of Woody Page. That advice corner brought to you by U-Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. And incidentally, kids, press boxes smell a lot like stale uh, tuna salad and rubber floor mats. Now it's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Woody, these are sports takes hotter than the lights they use for Jerry Jones' facial surgery. Fire number one. Should college football players be paid? Well, first, before I answer that, I've got an answer for you. But uh, Jerry Jones got very upset with me because I wrote, Jerry Jones is the only person I knew that both his ears touched in the back (laughs) after all that surgery. Uh, Should college players be paid? Uh, Repeating what you're questioning, but of course they should be. When I was in college and I was editor of the daily school newspaper, I was paid. I was paid fifteen hundred bucks a semester. Got three thousand for the year. Why not college players? Everybody else could get jobs in college. Yeah, you probably had one back in the twenties. Uh, everybody could can, can go off and get a college. I know. I knew uh, hundreds of students sure. who had other jobs. Yeah. Well, they should be paid. Of course, they should be paid. When you have coaches that are making seven, I just saw that that. Uh, Dabo is making about after bonuses eight or nine million dollars. Yeah. Why in the world can't you pay players five hundred bucks a week or a thousand dollars a month? I, I think it's ridiculous. I've had so many coaches. You couldn't believe this, Jet. I've had so many coaches tell me they break the rules, and when they tell me that, I am amazed. And they say, "I've got a kid that comes to Colorado that lives in California. He doesn't have a winter coat. You don't think I'm going to buy him a winter coat?" He said, "I have." Uh, I have kids who play for me. Another coach told me, I have kids who play for me. Their grandfather died. They can't get home. I pay for them. Coaches cheat every day. If players were paid, you wouldn't have to have so much cheating by the sneaker companies, by by the schools, by assistant coaches. So uh, it's a passionate subject to me. Of course they should be paid. Uh, uh, With all the money that's being generated, Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Gary, my producer, make a note, uh, uh, University of Tennessee, 1500 bucks a semester. That's not a bad job for me. Fire number two. Will John Elway and Vic Fangio find a way to get the Broncos back to the Super Bowl? Or is it just going to be like when you have uh, your own kids and uh, then you tell your grandparents, look, it's too far. We're going to have to have Thanksgiving here. <laughs> is it ever going to work not, out? Uh, not in this time. Maybe not in my lifetime. Uh, 
you're old enough to remember when Ted Williams was uh, the greatest hitter of all time. He became a manager. He was the worst manager of yeah. all time. Yeah. Uh, superstars really don't translate generally to being great ex- executives. John Elway has spent most of his career as an executive trying to find a quarterback. And I would ask you a question. What quarterback is John Elway trying to find? <laughs> oh, no need to wake Freud on that one, Woody. I'm pretty sure it's John Elway. Yes. He's trying to find the next John Elway. Well, Drew Locke is not the next John Elway. No. He's not the next Drew. Uh, yeah, Drew Carey. Drew Smith, you know, anything. Uh, but I think that's been his biggest problem here is that he's trying to find somebody that is exactly him. Well, they aren't out there. I mean, right. there's not yeah. that many damn reasons. We've seen all these quarterbacks come in the league the last three or four years. Think about Winston and Mariota, yeah. Mariota when they came in the league. Yeah, they're average quarterbacks. I mean, you know, the guys coming in this year are going to be basically average quarterbacks in my mind. So the best moves he's made was getting Peyton Manning, and they yeah. won a Super Bowl, got to another Super Bowl. John Elway and uh, Vic Fangio. Fangio's a great defensive coach. Reminds me of Wade Phillips without sure. the folksy humor. Yeah. But – uh, they'll be eight and eight this year. They'll maybe if Flacco plays uh, like he did at that Super Bowl year, maybe they'll be nine and seven. But no, this is a team that's middle of the pack and will be for another two or three years. Although they have the greatest edge rusher pair, I think in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But yeah. the defense going to have to hold them together. They got a tough second toughest schedule based on last year's records, and I think they. I mean, the Chiefs are a better team. You and I know that. Chargers are a better team. They got the fourth-best quarterback in the division when you factor in Derek Carr. No, it's not going to happen now. John's in the middle of a five-year contract. It won't happen while he's here. Finally, fire number three. Who's winning the World Series, and can the Rockies ever win one? Uh, Houston and no. Uh, I'll take them back, back to fourth. Uh, Rockies have the most unusual and unique and worst situation maybe in professional sports because of the altitude. Yeah. Oh, sure, they can score 11 runs, but their pitchers give up 12 runs. It is a difficult – I've tried to think of everything they could possibly do, and they have too, obviously, but it's it's such an inconsistent place. They're they're the only team – in baseball that since they have been in history, only team in history that's never won a World Series. Even the Marlins who came in the same year they did. They've <laughs> yeah, won brother. two World Series. The Rockies have never won a division. It's just too inconsistent here. In regard yeah. to the first question, I think Houston, with the move they made uh, at the trading deadline with Zach Grinke, uh, yeah. they, when they throw those three pitchers at you, that's all they need yeah. in every series. Need, they don't need any more than three pitchers. And so they got a competent enough uh, bullpen. They, they got an offensive lineup that's great. It's the Houston, the Yankees can talk all they want to, uh, and the Braves. No, it's the Houston Astros. I mean, they were so bad for so long, and they yeah. turned it around, and now they're so good. 
That fiery 4-3 brought to you by the Pension Fondle Motel. Get busy and get out of here. Now, listen, Woody, I understand you may have a pop quiz for me. If you do, fire it up. Uh, three questions about uh, uh, virtually anything. Uh, three trivia questions. Could be music, Woody. Could be geography. Could be sports. Could sure. be UT. I'm re- I'm, uh, all I'm right. Re- oh, hang, hang on. We got I'm going to start with it. Yeah, we got I'm a theme. With oh, hang on, we got a theme song. Hold on, here it is. Here we go. Boom, pop, pop, quiz. I don't have money for a band. I had to cook that up myself. I don't have that kind of. I don't have those Elvis contacts you got. <laughs> you ready for number one? I'm ready. I'm going to make the first couple easy. No, you think so? Two I'll be years, the judge two, of that. Two years ago, two years ago on Jeopardy, which I mentioned earlier. The category was Woody's, and the answer was, name a sports columnist who appears regularly on Around the Horn. And your answer is? I'm going Woody Page. Okay. I was tempted, though, uh, by uh, Wayne Woody Wayne, uh, who's a classic old NASCAR columnist from the 40s. Uh, down south, but I pulled it out at the end. I got that right, Woody Page. I'm I'm one and zero. Yeah. I, I I've got two two that I think are just uh, my favorite uh, trivia questions of all time. Tell me all the ways you can get to first base. Okay, all the ways so, you can get to first. The reason why I'm bringing it up, I want to set that up. That Eastern League, whatever that league is over on the East Coast, where this year you can now steal first base. Oh yeah, you can run really? to first base. Tell me the ways you get to first base. Uh, well, you can get a hit. A single uh, will get you to first base. Uh, you can be yep. walked. That'll get you to first yeah. base. Uh, you could have a dropped third strike and take Ooh, third base. You can be yes. hit and uh, get first base. You can be hit by the pitch yes. and take first base. You can be a pinch runner. And uh, be given yes. first base. Oh, that's the one people don't get. And then uh, a lot of the other ones I don't remember. <laughs> I know uh, there's, I think, three uh, more. Uh, uh, error. Error, sure. Yeah. Ah, damn it. And yeah. my broadcast uh, is full of errors. You'd think I'd know that by now, brother. Yeah. There can be fielders interference. Oh. So if there's a guy on first. Sure, yeah, baseline interference. I yeah. should have come up and, with that. And a walk. And a walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a walk but in the, the park. the pinch runner is the one that gets everybody. Okay, I've got two others for you. Make them quick. All right. Name for me, Chad. Name for me the three times, three times in the history of the major four sports. And that's baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. That a champion was not declared at the end of the year. Three times. Uh, I'm going to go uh, World War II for baseball. Uh, let's go 1943. I'll take it right in the heart of the war. Uh, okay. Let yeah. me see. Uh, You're not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I appreciate a man who understands uh, that we just need to truncate this. <laughs> to give me the three ways, yeah. I'm already well, one well, and well, two. Okay, 1919, because of the Spanish flu, the two teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs 
were tied at 2-2-1, and and the Montreal Canadiens could not field more than three players for the final game. And so they called it off, and they didn't declare a Stanley Cup winner or a champion or anybody got the cup. That's why to this day in Montreal, you cannot get Spanish rice. (laughs) Yeah. In 1994, baseball called off the season because of a strike. Oh, that's right. They play the World Series. Yeah, that's right. And I was 2005, calling. Uh, I wasn't there. The National Hockey League called off the entire season. There was no Stanley Cup champion. Wow. The final question for you. Hang on. That was Gary up. Bettman falling in a hole like Elvis. How do you call off a whole yeah. season? All right, this go. is good. I'm this, already one yeah. and three. I can't even pull this. One and, yeah, I'm one and three. Go for it. Shoot me the last question. See if I can save my dignity. Yes, the 49ers and the Broncos have played this week. There is only one person in history that has worked for both the 49ers and the Denver Broncos and pinch hit for Ted Williams and Carl Jastrzemski. Holy smokes. Only one person has pinch hit for Ted Williams and Carl Jastrzemski and played for the 49ers and was an executive for the Denver Broncos. I'm going to have to go uh, Carmen Policy. That's close enough. <laughs> Carol Hardy. <laughs> Carol Hardy played for the 49ers. He was drafted for the 49ers. Wow. He decided to go to baseball. He played for the Red Sox and the Cleveland Indians. I've got an addition to it. And he pitched it for Ted Williams at the end of his career in college of Scripsy when he was a rookie. And he went to the Cleveland Indians and he pitched it for Roger Merritt. Holy smokes. Anybody could pinch hit for those three players. That's there. impressive. That's an impressive career. That pop quiz brought to you by Schlatzman's Ultra Dry Lager. So dry, you may not have to pee. My guest today, one of the greats, Woody Page. Follow him on Twitter, at Woody Page. Watch him crush it on Around the Horn. Check out his new endeavor, the Woody Page Podcast, right here on Podcast One. Go to WoodyPage.com for all sorts of details on all those projects. Woody, thank you so much. It's an honor having you on the show. And, Chad, I've been following your career just uh, so closely for weeks now. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. He's got some L.A. dates and a big Minneapolis date coming up. Go to JeffCesario.com for details. Thank you huge for tuning in. Support my sponsors, True Car and BetOnline.ag. If you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Grand Island, Nebraska calling the Western States barehanded culvert hunt for the Landscape Channel. D'Artagnan Hip caught a prairie dog in a small dorm fridge in the culvert off I-90 to take a slight lead over Dick Nixon, who's caught a rare blue pheasant and an engine block. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.